What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. I'm your host of today's show, Steve McCutcheon, along with my two co-hosts, Vino Anazelli and Michael Noen. We have another great show for you today. Before that, please take a moment and hit the bell to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcast. Also, give us a follow over on Twitter at the SL Screamers underscore pod. Some news. Ooh. Oh, right in the that, eye. That smells Ooh. delicious. Mm. For those not watching the video, Mike just cracked cracked open a nice cold brewski. And, uh, <laughs> Contrary to the way you made that sound. <laughs> <laughs> he, shook it up. he shook it up on himself a little bit. We're going to head over to some news and notes from around the world. Obviously, the biggest talking point uh, recently, the Ballon d'Or just came out. Messi won his unprecedented seventh one. What's a uh, what's, what's better the love here? story than Twilight? Lionel Messi in the Ballon d'Or. I mean, seven, that's ridiculous. That's absolutely absurd. Um, a lot of people saying Lewandowski has been snubbed, and I, I, I totally understand that sentiment. In my opinion, I think, I think they should have been looked at as with 2020 and 2021 stats. Considering they didn't have it last year, and there was no one more deserving last year than Lewandowski. Um, but given that they're only looking at 2021, like yes, I know Lewandowski scored more goals and was involved in, in more goals directly than Messi this year. But this is about the best player in the world and who has done more for their their team. I mean, Bayern's going to win the league with or without Lewandowski, but Messi pulled them to a Copa del Rey, almost pulled them to a league title, and then it pulled Argentina to a Copa America victory while creating more. Um, cre- completing more dribbles, um, more passes, key passes, like, and things of that nature. So I think if you have to look at it from a player as a whole, I, I understand the messy look, but it's disappointing for Lewandowski. Yeah, I really hope that they go back and at least give some type of accreditation to Lewandowski for 2020 because it just seems so fucked up that he doesn't get the love and respect. And all he gets is a Lego trophy. Yeah, although pretty <laughs> bitching. Hell of a trophy. Hell it's a cool trophy. trophy, but like obviously he wants the real thing. Like anyone would, and he got that striker award today, which almost feels like it was a reward or, or an award, I should say, that was created just for him because they knew he wasn't going to get the Ballon d'Or and they were going to give it to Messi. Uh, he got the inaugural one, but yeah, it's definitely a heartbreak, heartache for him. Messi, I mean, again, he's almost like a victim of his own success, but uh, yeah, what much deserved to both players. We'd love to see someone just different get it, but let's say Messi isn't deserved. It was it was funny once once they announced because um, they announced it pretty late the striker of the year award and you know you always knew that the the voting was going to be pretty close between Messi and Lewandowski and the moment they announced striker of the year I was like all right he's winning that because Messi's getting Ballon d'Or this is their way yeah. of making up for it like it was almost yeah. instantaneous the bookmakers must have just fucking tanked the odds as soon as they heard about that. <laughs> Speaking of Ronaldo, I brought him up a little bit. What um. The Ballon d'Or, blatant lies. Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. Um, so the there's only two people in the world who know who's going to win the Ballon d'Or, right? And the editor came out, I think it was last night or maybe a couple of days ago. I'm not sure exactly on the timing. But he, quote, said, Ronaldo only has one ambition, and that is to retire with more Ballon d'Ors than Messi. I know that because he's told me. And, <laughs> and then he goes on to say that, Ronaldo was not attending the ceremony because he's quarantining himself. That's why he couldn't make it to the gala. When Ronaldo comes out today and basically blasts him saying, I have never in my life said that he goes, I want to win everything because I want to win everything. That's just how it is. He goes, that's you, you lied about the last three things you said about me only to promote yourself and your reward. He's like, it's kind of disrespectful that someone in this position with this prestigious award can slander like that. Um, 
Now, does it sound like something Ronaldo would say? I think we all can agree, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, but do I, I mean, you don't know what the truth is, but I mean, for that guy to say that, it's to, about one of the greatest of all time. That's ridiculous. Mm. Well, maybe he is jealous. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, he's like, I, I want the trophy. Ronaldo seems like the jealous type. Let's be real. Like, oh my on. God. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he seems very much like the jealous type. <laughs> you, you, like, you can hear him saying that, but it's also like, <laughs> nah, you didn't say that. Come on. <laughs> Do you, do you know who whose mentality he reminds me a lot of, though? And it's Michael Jordan, whereas he would make up stories in his head against his opponents that never happened at all just to absolutely go apeshit on them yeah. during the game. Ronaldo <laughs> reminds me 1,000% of that kind of mentality yeah. for some reason. And I can't – like, it just seems like it. Oh. Yeah. Do you respect, though, ultimate competitor? Speaking yeah. of the awards, uh, I guess there was one other slight snub, potentially. Uh, Donnarumma getting the yeah. goalkeeper of the year award versus, I guess, Mendy, who's the other yeah. – who's probably the other person who should have potentially gotten it. Thoughts on that? Because Mendy had a hell of a year. If well, you, you know mine and Vito's take, obviously. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, from like a third party Yeah, completely, completely Mendy unbiased. Like, yeah, I'm a Chelsea supporter. So, of course, I'd like to see Chelsea players win as many trophies as they can. But from a un- completely unbiased standpoint, is Donnarumma an amazing goalkeeper in top three in the world? Absolutely. But if you look at the stat lines that they judged the Ballon d'Or on, Mendy led in, I think, every single category. Like, clean sheets, Goals against, they had just about the same, just about the same amount of games played, clearances. He won the Champions League. I mean, yeah, I know Donnarumma won the Euros. Fantastic achievement. Nothing, nothing against that. So, if you're going to look at trophies, that and the Champions League should cancel out. So, if it's going to come down to a stat line, Mendy not getting it was kind of unbelievable. And it's interesting on going online and watching fans of different clubs, like Arsenal supporters, going, "That's an absolute travesty that Mendy didn't get it." And we've heard something like this recently, didn't we? When um, he got turned down for like African Player of the Year or something like that, and whatever it was, I thought it was. Uh, I'm not mistaken, Drogba or Eto or one of the really prominent African players uh, from the past said like something along the lines of, um, "For them oh. to be able to get an award, they have to basically like three times the amount of work as someone like Lionel yeah, Messi." Yeah, he, he like, wasn't whatever. in the 30 yeah. man shortlist. That's what it was. He wasn't yeah, even on the shortlist. That's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. So it was, it was yeah. like, okay, I guess, yeah. sure. Not like AC Milan didn't win anything. <laughs> yeah. But no, I think that's definitely a snub. Just saying, you know, not want to throw conspiracies out there, but uh, <laughs> both players play for PSG and uh, it's a, it's a <laughs> yeah, French, yeah. Bo- it's a French body and uh, a French reward. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's a conspiracy once it's true. <laughs> I, w- I would stake that right now. <laughs> Well, I heard they're not corrupt at all, so it's definitely fine. Um, <laughs> moving on, Holland made his return, scored uh, right over our boy John Brooks, actually, within a very short time period. Um, glad to see him back in action and everything. Um, possibly uh, future couple bound the oars over there. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, really big news out of Italy. Ventes is under fire for allegedly making up transfer fees for players to balance their books in regards to FIFA fair play. Yep. What's your guys' takes on it? Yeah, uh, apparently, for those who aren't aware, over 42 transfers are being looked into from 2019 to 2021. Pretty much the top execs at Juventus, all under fire, have the potential of being relegated to Serie B, having their Scudetto stripped. Um, I'm assuming there'll probably be fines associated with that or something along the lines of that. Relegation. Uh, releg- yeah, well, relegation also, but which we, which we mentioned. But yeah, yeah. Um, that is a shitty situation to be in. You obviously like teams definitely inflate the their players in terms of like the price 
But from all accounts, it seems like Juventus did not really give a shit. And they were just like, hey, this guy should be worth 10 million. Let's say he's worth 35. Fuck it. We'll jack the price up. Um, and because of that, they're now in a heap of trouble. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's that's the most Italian football thing ever. Like, <laughs> like did this happen a decade ago? Like, to the same guys? Like, come on. Um, yeah. And apparently, um, Andrea Agnali, uh, Pavel Nedved, and Fabio uh, Paratici, who are who's at Spurs, is um, yeah. they're fully cooperating with the investigation apparently. Because I guess at this point, no nothing for them to lose. They're not even in the country, not, not working for Juventus. But um, you think they? You think if they're found guilty, they'll they'll relegate them again? Yeah, hundred percent. If you have Absolutely. to, second time offense. Yeah, they, they relegated him for match fixing, not to say yeah. that's well, like four level. teams almost. Yeah. <laughs> but, but still, like they've done it. It's not to say they won't do yeah. it again. So the question is what I'd be curious is if a lot of those players, especially the older ones like a Bonucci or um, a Cellini or someone along those lines, do they stay or do they like, hey, I want to go play Champions League, like a Chiesa or somebody who be now becomes on the market because they got to sell to make money. Like I'm kind of curious how that shakes out for them if they get relegated. I think I like they've gone. Without a, a doubt, Chiesa has to be gone. He's the most valuable player on that team, and they need the money. If an offer comes in in sixty million, they're going to have no choice. I think a team like Bayern, whose Nagelsmann's been on record saying how much yeah. he loves Chiesa, they'll so does um, they'll low ball the shit out of him. Give him so does Pep at City because apparently yeah. Fernand Torres was just told him he wants to go to Barca, so they're yeah. probably looking to replace that hole. Yeah. He's been like all, all around, but I think like players like Bonucci and Chiellini would stay and play for that team. To your point, they've been with how long they've been there. A decade almost. It feels more, like way more, right? Like they're they're yeah. Juventus through and through. They're born and bred. So, I think those types of guys who know that they're not going to get another big contract anyway, will stay for the love of the badge, kind of the way Marquisio did, and they, you know, Buffon did it when it's happened last time around. But I can't see any of these young guys, young guys staying around, especially when there's other teams in Serie A that are starting to challenge. Look what Napoli and AC Milan and Inter are doing in that league right now. Like they're just tearing oh, yeah. apart. Yeah, changing the guards up there. Yeah. So moving on to our stars and stripes sections where we go over the all the United States men's national teams, you know, stand up performances, injury news, bad performances, all that kind of stuff. Uh, not a ton to talk about this week, really. I'm just going to kind of rip through most of it. Wes McKinney, a little bit of an injury, but still playing pretty well. Uh, Gio not playing, but ranked ninth in the U uh, under 21 award for best players by FIFA. Uh, Pool sick more game time in the Champions League and just looking like his old self right now. P. Folk scored in the Champions League in a 3-3 draw against Atalanta, and then Reem and Zimmerman both scored in 1-1 draws, respectively. I don't think um, they scored it both together in a 1-1 draw. I don't know if that's possible. But... Well, they didn't in the same no, league. Not what he's saying. But uh, crack on the beer opening and get a little drunk. <laughs> Two sips. Um, anything else we got eight. to add there, really? I didn't really see too much over the weekend. No, nah, it, was, it was a pretty light week, I think, overall for them. Not a lot of, a lot of crazy performances. Yeah. I think most of the most of the news was off the field this week. Yeah. Yeah. A yeah, lot yeah, of yeah. on a side note, not necessarily stars and stripes, or kind of stars and stripes related, but the MLS playoffs have been pretty good so far. Mm-hmm. It's kind of catching one or two games. And if, if people haven't been watching, definitely check it out because there's been some pretty good talent on display to say the yeah, least. Yeah, big game tomorrow, in New York City versus New England. Yeah. Um and who I think should be our first choice keeper playing for New England. Uh, Turner. You think he goes to Europe after this year? No, you don't think so. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I, I feel like if he's playing this well for this long period of time, you'd hear whispers of something by now. You'd, you'd be reading something, but 
there's nothing shaking up. And it's not like it's a center back where you need two or four on a team. It's a goal, first choice goalkeeper. And I don't think he's going to, he would leave to go play backup. Not when he, that, what do he's you, playing for the best team in MLS. What do you think his level would be if he went internationally? Do you think he would be championship some, level? Definitely gold, yeah. silver. I'm sorry. Rare silver on, foot, <laughs> on foothead. That's rare silver. That's it. I think, I, I think he'd start on a championship level team. Hmm. Lower tier first division teams. Maybe maybe like a Newcastle. I would say yeah, I would say that to build a brand level or like even like one of those like teams in like Belgium or the Netherlands or mm-hmm. something like that that has like that potential to make a Champions League spot, but like it would get bounced in like the first round essentially, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, I no yeah definitely run that. Like like I don't think he. I personally don't think he should do what Stefan's doing right now at Man City because that's the reason he's being able to challenge Stefan is because mm-hmm. he's gotten the game time, showed himself, and all and. Mm-hmm performed really well in his chances for the, the men's national team. Um, so I think that'd be a step backwards for him. So I, I really think, yeah, championship level team or, you know, just the lower tier first or mid table team uh, in the first division anywhere, really. Yeah. Go, goalkeepers, a a funny position to me when it comes to comparing against European, like obviously there are different types of goalkeepers and there's different levels. Like obviously Alisson's Alisson, you know what I mean? Things of that nature, but the, the player quality in the MLS is obviously lower than it is in Europe. So if you're a defender, you're not going to come up against the pace and the trickery that you're going to get in Europe because you can't even, you can't even fake come against that because no one just has that ability. If they did, they're playing in Europe. But if you're a goalkeeper, you're going to see shots that you would see in Europe. So it, I feel like you're, you're still going to see the same type of quality coming at you to a degree more so than an outfield player would. So I don't think he necessarily needs to make a step to Europe to reach Stefan's level. I mean, because he's out there now and he's playing in the MLS. Okay, I see. I see where your head's at. What about uh, guys like uh, Miles Robinson? Obviously, Ricardo Pepe. A ton of transfer speculation there. Yeah, any think, any outfield player needs to go. I think Robinson should go, given his rise recently. <clears throat> I don't think. I think he'd probably be in that same level, almost as Turner, Turner, where like as he'd be in that championship level center back, and maybe like you know, maybe a team teetering on like like the Conference League or like the like uh, UEFA uh Europa League something like that so that's just my opinion I got you let's head over back to the Premier League right now we got to go over a weekly recap and what happened in the last match week uh first off you want to kick it off here for us Mike got Arsenal Newcastle yeah I hate to say it but Arsenal looked pretty good albeit against a super super shitty Newcastle team (laughs) 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 Uh, that'd be in there yeah, that being said, they did defeat the Toon squad, having over 60% possession, 24 shots, two times the number of passes, and one very specific, sweetly taken goal by Gabriel Martinelli on a first-time chip ball by Tomiyasu from over the right to the left. Martinelli, one-time finish with the right foot right past Dubrovka. Uh, it was actually a super nice goal. Um, Bakioko had the first, uh, Bakioko Saka, excuse me, had the first goal in general to put Arsenal one up. Um, they now sit in fifth place, um, kind of surprisingly, in all honesty, uh, tied for West Ham at 23, who are sitting in fourth. Um, so they're in a pretty good run of form right now. Newcastle, bottom of the table. Eddie Howe is probably ripping his hair out trying to figure out how to get a defense together because they really got to start either getting clean sheets or really outscoring their opponents because it is not looking good for a Newcastle team. And, and like we said earlier, um, by the time January comes around, there may not be a matter. 
Is it even going to matter? Exactly. Will it matter? So. Yeah, they, could, they could pull a reverse Juventus and pay the FA to let them stay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. That's a bold strategy, Gotten. Yeah. Maybe. And by the way, it's Bukayo, not Bakayoko. Bukayo. He, plays, he plays in Italy. <laughs> ah, well, it happens. We know uh, Mike and his pronunciations. <laughs> it happens. Next up, we had Palace 1, Villa 2. Yeah. Um, Palace, good game, fought, but ultimately came out below Aston Villa, who became the 2-1 winners in that game. They got a consolation goal at the end, I think around the 90th or 92nd minute. Very yeah, much. It's like, it really late on. We get very, uh, very late. Um, but ultimately, Villa took their chances, capitalized on a pretty eager Palace team. Second goal in particular, John McGinn, wand of a left foot, hit a beautiful finesse shot from the top of the box, right around, um, I can't remember the keeper's name, but the Palace keeper. And yeah, from there, they kind of see the, saw the game out. Once they gave up the goal, you still kind of thought they'd go through, but it was a good win for Palace, good win for, excuse me, good win for Villa, good win for Gerard, second game in, so they have to be feeling pretty good on the with the new manager. So, Gaeta is the uh, palace keeper. Just Thank for your you. record. Thank you. <laughs> then we had Liverpool four, Southampton nil. Pretty much very straightforward. Jota had two. Uh, Thiago won, and Virgil Van Dijk finished it off at the last one in the fifty-second minute. Um, could have been a lot more as well. They had twenty shots, six on target. Southampton really, they just never had a chance in this one for the most part. So. Um, any other kind of takes on that? They Liverpool still look like they're on a hot uh, run of form. I don't have a take on that in particular that game, but I will say because we didn't call it out, the goal that Tiago scored midweek. Oh in yeah, the Champions League was bonkers. Ab- absolutely bonkers. That ball defied physics. I just yeah. wanted to call that out so we don't forget about it because that ball looked like someone skipped it off a, a rock off a pond. Like yeah, he's, he's looked off the pace and off of his normal self since he made that transfer over to Liverpool, but that was a quick reminder of what he brings to the table when he's in that yeah. lineup. I mean, he's obviously not known for that, but that's the quality that dude possesses. Like, that that was – that hit what hit the ground one time. It was a fucking worm it, burner. I don't even know if it hit the ground. It looked like it, like, just, yeah. just caressed. It looked like it every one of my golf yeah. shots this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> just a bar, a burner. <laughs> yeah. not Not a good thing. Not a good thing. Not a good thing. Especially when you're putting. I don't want to talk about three putting, right? <laughs> then we had Norwich nil, Wolves nil. Um, what's your guys' take on this one? Because I felt like Norwich could have came away with all, th- all three points. I mean, they've been in a really good run of form. I, I know that's like a, a weird thing to say because how could they have been in a worse run of form before three weeks ago? Um, but – yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think they, they did look pretty good overall. I think 0-0 is probably a fair result at the end of the day, and I think they'll take it knowing that they're still putting themselves um, – you know, they're, they're creating a little bit more distance between themselves and Newcastle and trying to close that gap and trying to get out of the relegation zone. So yeah, I think for Norwich, it's still a good point. Yeah. Um, especially – I mean, they only had like 40% of the ball, and um, – but they, they took a lot more shots. I think it was like 14 to 5 on the shots or something in that effect. They were more creative going forward, yeah. Yeah. Just really didn't, didn't really get much going there. Um, ironic for the, the way they've been playing recently. They were kind of held mm-hmm. um, pretty tough do, here by Norwich. But... Do, you, do you think disappointed but content would be a good way of putting that for them? For I, would say, for yeah, I would say for Wolves, I'd say disappointing but content. 
I'd say for Norwich, that's a that's a positive. Uh, any point is positive. Are you kidding? You're talking about a top. Yeah, but no one right you could have gotten. Yeah. You, no one you could have got three points, a winnable three points. Where to Steve's point, they did look pretty good going forward. I, I if I if I'm a Norwich fan, I'm happy with. Okay, I mean, just happy with the performance and uptick of form. Yeah, uptick of form point they're sitting at and uh, second to last, even though they're at ninth or they have nine points, and then they're tied on points with Burnley, who had their game postponed. But still, I mean. You know, the three back of leads at this yeah, point, right? Exactly. Grand obviously goal differential, yeah. much different, but three back of where they need to be at, four points away. Like they're yeah. they're fine. They're, they're fine. Yeah, they're they're chilling right now. We're not chilling, but <laughs> they have them right where they want them. All right, That's exactly <laughs> the old rope dope. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so what do what do they call it in Ricky Bobby? The not the, the slingshot. The slingshot. The slingshot. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's like a 14 car pileup in front of them engaging the slingshot. Sorry, 14. I meant to say 16. <laughs> Do a little shake and bake. A little shake and bake. <laughs> a little team of team of Pookie. Josh, <laughs> stop shaking and baking and get goal. some points. Could that be uh, the, that? Imagine like a team of Pookie and Josh. I mean, Josh Sargent kind of looks like John. What's his, the actor's name? John C. Riley. John C. Riley. Yeah. <laughs> He's a ginger John they, C. Riley. If, if they did like a little like shake and bake action, like <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> they could pull it off. It's there for the t- I, I see. I see your heads. I yeah. do. I do like it. I do like it. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, another nil nil game. We have Bright- Brighton nil. Please nil. <laughs> yeah brighton um brighton will regret some missed opportunities this game um was i think correct me if i'm wrong but um wasn't potter uh grand potter booed at the end of the game by the home fans was. did you hear what he said at the end of the game in the press interview go for it what he said he, lit- he literally goes i'm paraphrasing here but he goes yeah, he's like, I don't know why they're really booing me. He's like, they, I guess the fans need like a history lesson of where this team was like two years ago. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Pretty much is what he said. And I was like, that's kind of a savage but realistic thing to say because you know, like, be humble, man. Like, come on, like, like you can't be booing a Brighton team who are sitting top half of the table like just because they didn't get a point or they got. They I can get the, I can see the fans' frustration though, based off where they are, the differences in in the teams in the table right now, currently, and the performances they were used to coming into this, like the first third of the season. Look, the the fact of the matter is, this team was in a horrific position last year because they couldn't finish off their chances. They were creating all these opportunities that they couldn't put away, and this game was very symbolic of that. Where two two balls off off the woodwork and had numerous opportunities to score, but just couldn't couldn't find the final one. And we always knew it was going to be a struggle when they didn't really make any true signings at that striker position to really help bolster them. So was it are they underplaying or were they just over overperforming at the beginning of the season? But I mean, all signs are pointing to them overperforming at the beginning. I mean, like you just said, that this was a telltale sign of what the, one of their games was last year. They expected twenty shots. 15 chances created two big chances and then yeah. almost two expected goals for this game. And they didn't put any, either of them away. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's literally identical. I mean, yeah. do I think they were overachieving in the beginning? Yes. And no, I think they were just finishing off what, what they should have been doing the entire yeah. time. And now they're just kind of regressing going back into that. their yeah. ways. Look, they're still ninth in the table. Level on points with Man United and one behind Tottenham. I mean, they're still five. They're only five points off of fifth place. And two points off of tie for six. So, I mean, they're not in a bad position. Even now, like if you were a Brighton fan, I feel like if you saw the table, you'd be happy. And you were told that in the beginning of the year. Yes. 
Yeah, you'd be fucking happy. Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't boo. No, I I agree. What he's doing for that team is remarkable, to say the least. I mean, they're getting healthier, too, right? Lamptey's back. Trossard's there. Mopai's back. Uh, Cucurella's putting in performance after performance for him on that left wing, left back, back, whatever. Adam Moana. Danny Welbeck. Yeah, like their team, their team's looking good. Like there's nothing about it. It's just, it's just a finishing. And I, I is Malpe the guy? I, I don't know. Yeah. And then for Leeds, vice versa. I almost feel like they're going through what Wolves went through last year, where like Jimenez got hurt, Bamford gets hurt. Now they just look like a fish out of water, and they don't know, they don't know what to do, man. Mm-hmm. Like they, they really need some type of center forward uh, signing if Bamford isn't healthy by January because they're they're struggling. I agree. Them. Yeah, Rodrigo's just not doing it like everyone thought they would when they signed him last year. Yeah. Um, I, he's playing more of a center attacking mid uh, mid role right now, and I think a lot of people thought he'd be that center forward when Bamford wasn't there or challenging for the spot. Yeah, so they got their work cut out. Tough one, tough one. Uh, moving on, we got Brentford and Everton. Yeah, uh, Brentford, 1-0 winners off of VAR call, which Ivy Tony ultimately converted. Um, they finally snapped a little bit of a losing or a poor streak for them, uh, just for Everton to go on an even uglier streak, to say the least. Um, they're now down to 14th, if I'm not mistaken, right? 14th on fifth with 15 points. Um, the honeymoon phase for them is 1,000% ended with Rafa Benitez. Um, I'm curious. Fucking Hindenburg. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. All right, we're going there. Yeah, they, they are they are sliding, man. Not to mention um, midweek match against Liverpool. Yeah, it is. That looks like a – we'll get to that, but that looks very gloomy, to say the least. Um, thoughts on Everton? Thoughts on Brenton? Brenton. Brentford, excuse Brentford. me. Brentford. Good for them. They're getting off the mark again. Maybe that can start spurring something. Um, as bad as a form as Everton is in, we'll get to the midweek game, obviously, but I think that it's gonna, this is going to sound really stupid probably. I think that's one of the best games that they can actually come up against because a huge rivalry like that to kind of reinstill a little bit more inspiration in the team and just kind of get them remotivated might not be a bad thing. I think, if it'll, you be a, I think it'll be a terrible thing because they're going to get the shit. If you don't lose 5 nothing, <laughs> Yeah, they're going to get the dicks kicked in. <laughs> if, they lose, if they don't lose 5 nothing, I'm sorry for anyone who's an Everton fan listening. I just – mentally prepared i i love everton as a club i put so i mean I. I liverpool is i mean they're liverpool right now i mean yeah they're looking like champions league favorites at the moment i mean everton have gotten one point in the last five games i, I don't know i mean it's just in maybe it's injuries hitting them like we had discussed previously a couple times or maybe it's the fact that rafa showing his true colors again that he, he had a bump in form when he came in as a new manager but it quickly faded away i mean Whatever the case may be, Steve, I agree with you. If they could pull off the even a point, derby, like some some type of positive performance in one of the in like the the toughest game, your your most fierce rival, like t- that's something that could re- like really reinvigorate a squad and just take them and forward, sure. and, you know, push them forward. Sure. Again, like Mike said, they could lose five nothing and it could be absolutely miserable. Yeah. Well, here's the good news. It's not at Anfield because we know historically Everton have lost one one game there and like. 40 years or something ridiculous to that effect. Ridiculous number, yeah. Yeah, so th- they will they will be the home team. So if it definitely tips it in their favor a little bit, um, hopefully the fans can get behind them. I mean, I think it's going to be a good game. This match is always so heated. Um, so oh, I wouldn't yeah. rule them out of it. But I think a win's a lofty target. If they can come away with this game with a point, I think they'll be happy. Yeah. Agreed. 
Uh, Burnley versus Tottenham postponed due to snow. Uh, so I guess on a side note, what the fuck, Burnley? Like, come on, you don't have Burnley the, in the snow. You don't have the ability to have your soil heated like any other club in the 20th century. This is ridiculous. This was disappointing to me. I used to play out when we used to play FIFA in college all the time. I had a buddy who always picked Burnley and always made it snow. And every time he would score, he'd go Burnley in the snow. And I didn't get a chance this week, and it fucking snowed. <laughs> Yeah. Love it. Uh, moving on, we had Leicester 4, Watford 2. Yeah, good old Leicester looked like they were a bit of lesser of the old, a good attacking performance from them and still a little bit leaky at the back. Um, big performances from Vardy with two goals, Madison two goals and an assist, um, and they spoiled Ranieri's return back to the King Power Stadium. It was a little bit of a, a cagey affair. I mean, the first goal to open the scoring, I don't know what the hell Trusty Kong was doing, but he just let the ball find, fall like fall right behind him. And Madison was like, oh, thanks. And just walked <laughs> into the net practically. Um, granted, the same thing ended up happening later um, when the ball was nicked off a defender's feet for Leicester. But very good game. Um, I think credit to Watford, though, who fought and clawed their way back into this game as much as possible. I mean, at one, do- one goal down, they hit the post before Josh King converted, leveling it back to 1-1. Um, and then again, down at 3-1, like I said, nicking the ball his P and then feet and coolly chipping um Casper Schmeichel and net to make it three two but ultimately Leicester ran out of here winners of four two and mm-hmm. uh, in a blizzardy affair like Edmonton uh, a couple <laughs> weeks ago. I, I think I think they definitely deserved it and hopefully this is the kickstart kickstart that Leicester needed but um still questions to be asked of that back line they look shaky at times. I'm kind of curious too like with Watford because for me personally, they're overperforming way what I thought they'd even be at at this point. I really thought they would be at the bottom of the mm-hmm. table at the beginning of this year. So, you know, it's it's good for them to say the least that they're sitting at 13th. Obviously, it's still a long season, and this congested period will be pretty big for not just them but all teams. And it'll be interesting to see how after this December period shakes up what, like, teams like a Watford do and what teams like a Leicester do and where they end up sitting by, like, January 1st, like, once this season, this busy period ends. So, uh, Truthfully, I feel like they, they have very similar seasons so far this year. Both of them in up and down performances. Every in almost every other match week, I feel like we're just talking about, like, oh, they did amazing. It's going to kickstart the campaign. Oh, they're back to being trash again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Realistically, if Watford wins this game, they're actually ahead of Leicester. Yeah. They would have been a three-point swing. They'd, they'd, they'd be one point above them. Yeah, uh, I, I Lester gets back into the top 10, but I think it all comes down whether or not they can continue their that that attacking set that they, that uh they've been carrying. I mean, they have Emmanuel Dennis, Joshua King, and Ismail Sar have been standout performers for them up front, each with five goals already in the league this season, and I think almost like 10 assists between them for almost at least. Um the the back has has just been their issue. I mean, they're leaking in goals left and left and right at any given point in time. And that's where they're getting hurt. I mean, they, you put away two goals in a match against a struggling lesser team. You hope that's enough to at least nab you a point. Um, yeah. But you can't let up four goals or three goals every week, which is what they seem to be doing at times. It's just in the op, the, the opportunistic times when they're scoring four, it's like, okay, great. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I Lester kind of reminds me a little bit, of leads a little bit less attacking football, but to the point of where they're every game they're gonna have to win right now is gonna be like a four three or three two or something along those lines. They they can't figure out defensively, so they have to go ahead forward and you have to score two to three a game right now at this point for them to get three points. Yes, absolutely exactly, exactly what I'm saying. Like they just they haven't cleaned it up. Yeah. Yeah. So then moving on, we had Man City versus West Ham. 
Yeah, that was a that was a pretty big win for Man City. Um, we talked about it earlier in the season. Our, you know, our prediction was there was going to be a handful of teams, three or four at the top, that are kind of playing in the league of their own. And I think this win by City pretty much put a staple in that um, by by clearing a little bit of distance between the top three and then West Ham now in fourth place uh, with twenty three points. Uh, the scoreline suggests this game was a lot closer than it actually was. Man City were all over them from the offset of this game. Um, man of the match, Gundogan, goal and an assist for him, even though he really didn't know much about the assist. He just kind of nicked off his foot before Fernandinho put it away. But uh, 97% pass completion, which is um, fantastic. They could have had a couple more. Uh, Ria Mara's slotted one away, but was ruled off marginally for a VAR. Um, and in reality, you know, City simply dominated possession like they do almost week in, week out. West Ham, though, did pull a goal back at the end in 94 third minute or something like that with Lanzini absolute worldy taking a, a half volley on the turn and just clipping one off the inside of the post. Ederson could do nothing about it. I feel like that guy just scores bangers when he does score um, time to time. But ultimately there was really only one way this result was going to go. Hmm. Yeah. And a little bit of a, a speed bump now for West Ham losing the last two matches. What do you guys think? No reason to concern. Yeah. Man City and uh, Wolves, not really the worst thing in the world. Man City, definitely. Wolves, week to week. I mean, they, they, could, they could play with anybody in, in the entire Premier League right now. So, yeah. Yeah. And then Does they, beat, suck? And yeah. they beat Liverpool the week before that. That's true. So, yeah. Not much of a concern level, if, if any at all, realistically. Um, yeah. Man City, good for them. One point back at Chelsea now. Um, just kind of moving on to that that game too. Yeah, Chelsea won, Man U won. Um, good for Man U or the point great, at least, I guess. Great, great for Man U. Are you kidding me? Honestly, looked, fantastic for Man U. Terrified. If you look, for the first forty-five minutes of that yeah. game, until, if you look at the um, the attacking map, they break it down by like every five minutes or so, and it's kind of like almost like a chart that shows you who had the more attacking threat. I think there's only two intervals out of like the 20 that are on there that that men united even had a sliver in their portion of, of yeah. the chart like it was unbelievable chelsea were all over them to the start the only issue for chelsea is you're back to the same old question that we thought was going to be solved when lukaku signed where are the goals coming from i mean your defenders have more goals than your your fours this season i mean chosen hudson and Doy's missing opportunities Werner couldn't hit the broad side of a fucking barn he couldn't hit a fish in water if he was on a boat for god's sakes at this point in time um <laughs> it's fucked up but like it is what it is and um, I mean, it's it just God, it's God just what it felt like. I mean, twenty four shots compared to United's three, and and you have to rely on a penalty. Which, to be honest, if it wasn't for VAR, I don't even know that they would have would have given it. Yeah, I think that would. It looked a little soft. Was it a penalty? Yes, I think so. I don't know if you guys think differently. Um, it, I think VAR saved them there. It did look soft. Yeah, honesty. it did look a little soft. I think it. I think ultimately though it was, but. To be honest, if you walk out of that game, you're singing United's praises more than Chelsea's, even though Chelsea on the day looked 10 times better. Oh, yeah. I, Bailly and Lindelof, I think, put in a – the best performance a Manchester United defense has put in all season, like including Champions League or anything else, by a mile. I mean, between them, they had 15 clearances and won five aerial duels, including, like, I think, a two-on-one where Lindelof had the most perfect positioning I've ever seen – to clear a heading a heading cross um, was uh was Maguire, was Maguire playing that game suspended no. 
It was wow. it was Lindelof. Where, where, yeah, there you, you go. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You it was a, it was a Bayi Lindelof um, yeah. center of the defense, and they looked they looked very good. I mean, good for it. You know, congratulations to Jaden Sancho, I guess, for putting away his first Premier League goal for United. But are you guys still worried about United, and, and to what extent? Honestly, I'm now slightly scared of United, to be honest, because or they just of them. Of, of them, in all honesty, I, I think Ragnick was a phenomenal. Yeah, you know, we will get to this. I think I think Ragnick was a phenomenal coaching hire on their end, um, and the guy is pretty much credited with being the father of pressing, right? Pressing style. The guy football. can press. Yeah, exactly. Like I mean, that's a team also who doesn't like to press. It'll be interesting to see how like the likes of like Ronaldo and other players who you know don't necessarily seem to be totally on the front foot do that. But that being said, I mean, that guy's going to demand a thousand percent out of you. And, you know, he's going to make those teams and those players work like he did at Leipzig, like he did at Hoffenheim, like he did at other clubs. Um, and I think they have a relatively easier, quote unquote, run a schedule over the next couple of games, if I'm not mistaken. It's going to give him some time to get his team in place and, and kind of instill the philosophy they have. And I wouldn't be surprised if over the next month, you know, given the schedule and the strength of schedule they have for the teams they're playing, they're going to probably make a surge up the table, I'd say, by the end of December. Moving on, we have two match weeks coming up. We got 14 and 15. We got some midweek action. If you want to just guys start right there, we'll top it off with Tuesday games. We got Newcastle hosting Norwich. Toilet bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Don't assert uh, the ball. Norwich has been playing good. That's mean. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. I, I want to say draw here. But given the way Newcastle have been playing, I kind of get the feeling, and the way Norwich have been playing for that for that fact, <clears throat> I can see a one nil Norwich win happening with this team. So take the under. I agree with Mike though. Yeah, I'm, I actually I filled out my predictions before we jumped on. I, I picked Norwich as well. I like the way they've been looking recent weeks and. I mean, if you're ever gonna pick a, a team that they're gonna be have a, a good chance to beat, it's gonna be a Newcastle. Okay, now everyone else go take Newcastle because all, all three of you yep. just took the merch. I just fucking blew <laughs> <love> it. <laughs> then we got Leeds hosting Palace. Leeds Palace is gonna be interesting. I think this is where where Palace gets back on the horse. I, Leeds haven't failed to impress me other than maybe one or two times this season. While Crystal Palace are just coming off of a good run of form. Um, so I think Vera's going to get them firing again. I know they're away from home, but I like Crystal Palace's chances in this match. Do you think that's where it starts to slide for Palace, though, after a loss? Or do you think they just – I uh, think this game could determine that. It breathes it. They, they, yeah. I, I think, I think it could be, win. I think it should be one of those determining games, in all honesty, because, like, they, they're going to have, again, like the more congested run of fixture, and this is, like, that – key game where like you get off to a good start you pick up some momentum throughout these games so yeah if they hit it they're probably going to do relatively well i I don't think they're going to get a win here against Leeds. i think this has kind of got a draw written all over it for me um probably like a one one kind of draw something like that but um because i just don't know where the goals are going to come from for Leeds. i think they get something um but palace also like i'm just not sure like they're going to be able to fully break down like a Leeds team that being said Leeds aren't the greatest defensively but, but uh, Palace have just been drawing like crazy this year and to me it just kind of screams draw yeah it, it is tough one. I honestly even though Leeds are at home I really just don't see them taking three points from this one at all um, 
mostly because of the creativity issues they're having, which is unlike them typically. Bamford's their leading assisting uh, man with two, and he's played five games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. To Mike's so, point, uh, Crystal Palace have drawn more than half their games. They have seven draws in 13 matches. Yeah. They're specialists at this point. <laughs> yeah. The opposite of Tottenham, right? Doesn't Tottenham never draw? So you, well, are you they, taking they Palace then, Steve? Yeah, I'm going to go Palace. I'm going to take him. I feel like I should want to draw. Anyway, uh, on to Wednesday, we have Watford hosting Chelsea. Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and write Chelsea down for everybody. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean... This is kind of one of those games where, like, could a Watford team come through? No. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. Not. If it wasn't for the fact that they can't defend, I mean, even Werner's probably going to get a goal in this game at this point. Whoa. Yeah, Um, that's a bold prediction right there. Take the the over and a Werner goal? Oof. That's like a plus 12,000 on it right there. Moving on, we got Southampton hosting Leicester. Yeah, Southampton just got pumped. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Leicester did the pumping. Leicester did the pumping. Uh, so, with that in mind, I kind of want to say a Leicester win. I- I'm, like, not convinced by myself saying that, but. Is that a question? Do you want the balance I- form? I, I think Lester will get the win. Uh, I'm not like totally confident in it. But. I actually think it's going to end up being a draw this match. I, I know Lester did get the win, but they did make it close for themselves at times, and they they did were bundles of mistakes. It's not like it was a one off where this is the first time this has happened this season. Um, I know Southampton's probably not the toughest opponent they're gonna they're gonna face this year, but I have a hard time judging this performance off how they performed against arguably the best team in the league in Liverpool. Um, I think this is going to be a, kind of a sloppy affair in my opinion in the South coast. Yeah. It'll be a cagey game. I can yeah. see that. Yeah. I'm going to take a draw here as well. It just feels so typical of Leicester season to have a letdown game after a big win like that. Yeah. Um, that's literally the only reason why I'm doing that. If, if they win, it's because of Vardy. And if anything else happens, it's because he doesn't score. So I'm gonna take a draw. Exactly. Yeah. Then we have West Ham hosting Brighton. Pretty good, pretty interesting game, actually. What do you think? Mm, do we want to bet the XG? Can we bet that? <laughs> that I mean, Brighton all day, baby, right there. <laughs> um, ah, dude, that's tough. West Ham at home coming off a mm, two two straight losses. I think they bounced back. Two straight. I thought they won between. Oh, no, West Ham lost the last two matches they played. Oh, that must be they Europa won. League they now. won in the Europa League in between okay. those two. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I'll go West Ham win. Mm. Fun fact for you Brighton, six draws this season. So, with that in mind, the way West Ham's kind of playing, Brighton's not putting away the chances. West Ham kind of a little tiny bit of a slide. I could see there being goals, but I don't see there's a winner. In this game, I would say I want to draw. Yeah, I like it. Did you go, Vito? I didn't even hear if you. Yeah, no, I'm taking West Ham for this. I like I said, the two games on the slide. I think they bounce back here with a struggling Brighton side at home in the Olympic Stadium. Gotcha, gotcha. Then moving on to Manu Wolves hosting Burnley. I it's hard to go against Burnley, but 
I'm sorry, it's hard to go against Wolves right now, but I actually think this is going to be a draw. Wolves are winning games, but they're not winning them by a, a wide margin for the most part. I mean, I think what was last week, 1-0 again? Uh, 1-0, well, before the draw, no, no draw. It was 1-0, then they lost 2-0, 1-2-1. Yeah, they're not blowing out. Anymore. Yeah, they're not blowing out teams. They're keeping it close, and that's just staunch Burnley defense. I, I, they're away from home. They're probably going to sit deep and try to defend with a couple, men, a ton of men behind the ball. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of opportunities. Maybe each side nick one, um, but I think it's going to end up being a probably a one-one game or zero-zero game with a draw in it. Last time they won a game by two goals or more was against a Watford on September 11th. So okay, yeah, there, there you go. Two and a half months, almost three now. I'd say a 1-0 win for Wolves at the Montague or whatever have you ever pronounced it. I think that stadium is not a fortress, but it's it's a hard stadium to play in. And yeah. it, it'll be loud. It'll be it'll be hectic. Not to say Burnley won't put up a good fight after resting their players for uh, the game against Tottenham. But um, <laughs> I, I don't see Burnley getting a point in this. What, uh, Wolves win, he Wang Chang, or Hang, Wang He Chang. Assisted by Jimenez. <laughs> Assisted by Jimenez, yeah. We'll go, we'll go with that. Then we got Ashton Villa hosting City. Ashton Villa, two wins on the bounce, looking good ever since the Girard hire. Yeah, definitely. Um, but that's they have to play Manchester City. Yeah, that's where it ends. Here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sorry. it was fun while it lasted. <laughs> no Stevie G magic in this one, boys? Stevie G no. out after this game, probably. Oh, that's yeah, I, I, don't say, I don't want to say Stevie G out, but <laughs> no, I'm, I don't I'm kidding. I don't see a – I mean, there's only a select handful of teams in the world that could beat Manchester City right now, and I'm not sure Villa's one of them. So, At home, though. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I, I, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's Manchester City. Just trying to have some fun. They just beat here. PSG. I mean, I don't think they're going to have too much trouble with Aston Villa. No offense to Aston Villa. All right, Man City it is. Uh, we got the Merseyside Derby to cap off Wednesday's games. So Everton is hosting Liverpool. Yeah, I know we touched upon it and that if Everton gets something out of this, it might turn their season around a little bit, but I just don't think this is going to be the game for them to do it. Um, I mean, talk about a team in horrific form against a team in unbelievable form at the moment. Um, even regardless that they lost one, I think a couple weeks ago, what was it to West Ham? Liverpool did. Um, yeah. I just, I can't see how they're going to find a way to stop that front three. I mean, Mo Salah is playing like a man possessed. That whole front three is playing like men possessed. Yeah. Like they're, they're out of their freaking minds. Yep. Um, I'm getting shades of like the Arsenal Tottenham game earlier this season where like, not to say Everton on a crazy run of form, like Spurs in the beginning or anything like that, but more or less, you know, one team ascending, one team descending. And I feel like you're just going to see this, collision and it's not going to go well for Everton and it'll just be it might not be a pumping of like four or five nil but I think it'll be a comprehensive like two or three nil win and it'll just be like men against boys on that field you think Everton might sit back in defense a little bit and try to soak up some pressure for a while a large part of the I game think, and try to hit I him think, in the second half I think they have to I don't From think they have a squad absolutely yeah, they, yeah. they have to yeah. Liverpool just need one I think the floodgates are going to open yeah, I, I I could probably see it being two 0 three 0 I don't think yeah. they'll go. I don't think they'll do more than that. But everything points to blowout. I don't know. I just feel like everything just it just makes way too much sense for them not to pull anything out of the hat. But 
I'm going to go Liverpool win. I'm going to regret it when this is a draw. <laughs> um, moving on, besides the fact that Mike's favorite new word is pumping right now. Um, yeah. Tottenham hosts Brentford on Thursday. Another pumping? <laughs> <laughs> um, no. Um, I think Spurs will ultimately get a draw here, in all honesty. I don't think they're going to get a win. Um, I think they'll be better rested, but Spurs are – you know, slightly in okay form. Maybe they'll come out a little bit hotter after that abysmal performance in the uh, in the conference league where they lost to literally the lowest ranked team in any competition. <laughs> Convincingly. So, yeah, like they, they did it and damn, they did it good. If there was ever one um, team I mean, that was going to do it, Mike. <laughs> if, if you're, if you're going to let it happen, just go full set. Yeah, if it wasn't going to be the other uh, East uh, North London team, it was going to be you. Yeah, it was uh, it was a sight to behold. Um, I think they come out a lot hotter. I think that you're still going to see some defensive issues, especially because Christian Romero isn't playing. And because of that, I see it being like either a one-one draw or like I don't want to say a loss, but probably like a one-one draw. I think they got on the score sheet both of them, but nothing, no winner. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you on the draw. Um, I think it's going to be a very sloppy game again. Um, I mean, I think they were very lucky to get away with all three points against Leeds. And I mean, they have yeah, they have had a, what a zero zero draw with Everton, squeaked by Vitesse in the previous Europa League match, and they got hammered by United. So I mean, it's the Encono Conte effect is going to take time. I think his his style is going to have to take a while to get implemented with that squad. Um, mm. And Brentford, I think, are a good team, and they like to attack. And to your point, Mike, with that with Christian Romero being out, which is definitely the stalwart of your defense i think you're gonna run some trouble with this team i think it's gonna be like a one one two two yeah i can see that i'm gonna take a tottenham win actually i think antonio conte murders his players if they don't and that's <laughs> enough motivation in my book honestly, send him back I, to Juventus? I, honestly <laughs> I hope he does <laughs> there's anything less than a win but i'm not confident you know they ran nothing but up down suicides whatever you want to call them the entire next two days of practice after yep. that thursday so <laughs> They're gonna be in great shape, ready to go, and I think they're. In, I, I think just make three points. The Brentford win, although good for them, grabbing three points and kind of changing their season around against the lowly Everton side. I don't think they have enough to go forward and beat Tottenham. So, and then last game for the midweek matches, we've got Man U hosting Arsenal. Yeah, good game. Should be a should be a good game. I honestly don't even want to watch this game. <laughs> okay, to be honest, not a good game. Not a good game. I just, I mean, I, I want to see what Ragnarok does. And I think that's how you pronounce his name. And I know we touched on him before, but for anyone that doesn't know, he he's credited with basically teaching Thomas Tuchel and Jurgen Klopp, two of the top five managers in the world, how to, how to coach a team. So it's going to be an interesting, interesting match to see him finally in charge, but um, it's going to be hard to say anything other than a man United win for this match at, at Old Trafford. In my opinion, I, th- I think I take United in this match simple, simply for the fact that on paper, I think they're a better team than Arsenal. Yeah. I just don't know if I trust the kids just yet for Arsenal because, uh, you know, Arteta is going to play yeah. the younger squad. And I'm just not sure at Old Trafford against that type of team. I'm not sure they're able to walk away with three points, maybe one, but I- I'd probably say a man you win. I see what you're both saying, but, but 
No, I'm taking Man U win as well. I don't like Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> and, that's my only, and that's my only reasoning. All right. All right. And then we just got to cover uh, the weekend matches real quick. We'll just rip through them. Don't have to give too much of a description for anything. Um, we got West Ham hosting Chelsea. Pretty good game. Chelsea. Yeah. I'm going to take a draw there. Uh, Newcastle hosting Burnley. Draw. Burnley win. Yeah, I like a Burnley 1-0. Uh, Southampton hosting Brighton. Brighton. I hope you have you have a draw. draw. Wolves hosting Liverpool. Liverpool. <laughs> yeah, Liverpool. Wolves upset. Watford I was I was so close to saying that, Steve. I was so close to saying that. You're welcome. Someone's gotta have the balls <laughs> to do it. Watford hosting City. 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 You want you want to try that upset, Vito? Nope. Good pass. Hard pass. Okay. I don't think I needed to answer. Just want to I check this. Time. Skip that one. Put a game to me. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to Sunday, Leeds host in Brentford. Pretty good. That's a really good game, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oof. Draw for me. Leeds. Brentford. Man, you hosting Palace. I'm gonna say a. Here we go. Palace two one win. Wow. That is. Bold. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take another draw for this. I'm with, I'm with Vito on that one. Tottenham hosting Norwich. Spurs. I don't know about that. Last this is a tough one. I really don't want to pick good. Tottenham. <laughs> oh, it's okay. No, it's it's, it's it. Spurs through and through, I think. We got Ashton Villa, Leicester. Draw. Villa winners after they get a, as Steve has been saying, pumping, or I've been saying pumping. <laughs> You've definitely been saying pumping. Yeah, but now you brought it up. Um, but anyway, <laughs> Villa winners. Um, I think Gerard works his magic uh, after the v- city loss. They're going to inevitably take in midweek. So, I'm a veto draw again. He's probably got like about eight out of nine of them. And then last game of the match week: Everton hosting Arsenal. Uh, fuck. <laughs> I really don't want to say draw again, but I think it's good. <laughs> I, I can no, see I'll that Arsenal easily, for this one. I can easily see that being a draw after a really poor performance against Liverpool. So I'm with Arsenal. Uh, that one hurt. That, it hurt to say. I'm not gonna it lie. It did I hurt to say. I felt like Thank my, you for saying that. It, it I'm gonna really say hurt. draw just because. Just because. Fuck Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't 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 want to give it to. Him. That's fair. Any other uh, final <laughs> thoughts, boys? We got a uh, two full match weeks worth of football. Coming at us. Um, no, is this the first midweek Premier League fixtures? Yeah. I think so, honestly, because we've had yeah. so much champions. It's been a very congested schedule, so they've mostly just been playing on weekends. Yeah, no, I, my only thought is it was great watching watching the matches in the snow that, this weekend. Yeah, love that. That was cool to see some of the little, little winter games. Yeah. I haven't seen snow in years. <laughs> yeah, you probably yeah. haven't. Well, that's because you live in California, in San Diego. Yeah, <laughs> Welcome back to the East Coast, my friend. It was about like 37 when I was walking my dog. Just yeah, I'll be back in three weeks. I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> looking forward to seeing you, bud. 
And that'll do it for this episode of the Sunday League Screamers podcast. Like, comment, hit the bell, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also find us on Spotify, Apple, and wherever else you get your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at the SL Screamers underscore pod for daily tweets and updates about the show and world football. I'm your host, Steve, with Vito and Mike signing off.